Hello, hello, and welcome to another hometown daily news show. <clears throat> so this is how we're going to start all of the episodes. Hello, and welcome to season two, episode 96 of the hometown daily news show for April 6th, 2023. Here's a quick rundown of the articles we'll be talking about, and then I'll introduce you to the AI and to myself. Tonight, we're going to be talking about a Steam game that takes Tetris and turns it into a dungeon crawler. I think that is pretty amazing. Tesla employees supposedly, uh, reportedly, and creepily pass around personal videos from owners' cars. Thieves apparently cut a hole in a bathroom wall to steal $500,000 worth of devices from Apple Store. Cisco trashes $23 million worth of tech to avoid it being sold in Russia as they exit Russia. And the PC gaming show will return on June 11th, 2023. African elephants use smell to communicate. Oh, Fred. There's a Bitcoin white paper hidden away in the system folder of Mac OS. A bunch of people are boycotting Bud Light and switching to Coors Light, but they don't quite understand one major thing. Goldman Sachs was fined $3 million after it messed up a short sale by calling it a long, and, well, it was a line of code that messed it all up. And there's a game that's coming out, Spellcraft. It's pretty fun. We'll talk about it briefly. And someone's been charged with kidnapping Perry the platypus. Wait, no, no, no. It's not Perry. Anyway, kidnapping a platypus. And I found out today that it's very expensive to kidnap a platypus. And you know that song, Baby Shark? Well, apparently it gets jailers probation when they play it on repeat. It's psychological warfare and torture. Let's get into today's articles. Hello, hello. I am Marwat. That is hometown.com. And up there above me, up there, up there somewhere, is the AI that keeps everybody in check here in hometown. You want to say hi? Good evening, hometown citizens. Hey, you're pink. Wow. It's very festive. It has nothing to do with the Coors Light issue either. That's okay. Today is um, National Burrito Day, so maybe we're celebrating that. Sure. I've... <laughs> okay. I've heard of some pretty creative things coming from generative AI, but... I'm not going to be able to jump through the mental gym gymnastics to make that work. Well, should I just move on to the articles? I think that's a good idea. Okay, so yeah, it's safer. Um, then the very first article for today is in the Warcrafters channel. It's uh, this says this new Steam game turns Tetris into a dungeon crawler, and it's pretty darn cool. The source of this is PC Gamer which is the PC gamer event that's coming later on. That's them. 
but we'll I talk about that. I thought that might that. be the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's pretty cool and, and uh, happy to talk about it. So let, let's, um, I, I mean, I have no affiliation with them other than we get news from them. Um, but anyway, despite being created nearly 40 years ago, <laughs> uh, I'm coughing because uh, that makes me feel really old. Tetris has never gone out of style. It's true. Um, it actually gets updated and, and um, kind of it evolves as time goes on. There's a really high energy Tetris competition version now too it's pretty cool anyway um tetris has never gone out of style and the author doesn't think that people uh, ever get tired of blocks falling from the sky while frantically trying to stack them up it's a, they say even heck tetris just starred in its own sexy movie called tetris it's true there's a whole movie about tetris pretty cool anyway there's a new game called Blocky Dungeon from developer Square Anon or Square Anon. I don't really like that. I, I don't know. Square Anon, it's too close to. Never mind. I'll just leave it alone. Yeah. Anyway, well, I didn't really like the blocky part, um, but anyway. <laughs> it's actually pretty fun. So let's go over to uh, the, the site. So PCGamer.com is the source. Christopher Livingston is the. Um, I presume is the, <laughs> um, anyway, is the author the person, a doctor. Yeah, maybe, um, block puzzle meets arcade roguelike in blocky dungeon, which launched on steam today. It's only like eight bucks and you play it kind of like Tetris to lay down the map of the dungeon and move your character through the dungeon as it creates a, like a contiguous wall, floor, trap, mob system. It's really cool. Very unique take, at least in, in my perspective. Um, so they say here, so it's not a bad time to play a new game on Steam that turns Tetris, weirdly enough, into a dungeon crawler in Blocky Dungeon from developer Squareanon. You use Tetris-shaped pieces. They're called Tetronimo, Tetrominoes. Ugh. Um, by the way, to build segments of a dungeon, and then you take control of a brave knight and move them through the uh, dungeon you just plonked together, battling monsters and earning gold coins along the way. So um, I went over to uh, Steam to watch a video about that um, because I was very compelled to get this. So I will end up getting this. I don't know if I'll stream it or not, but um, this looks pretty cool. You just plop down the blocks, you move your character through the dungeon <clears throat> and it generates as you go. So does that mean it'll always be a different um, configuration? It, it's infinitely playable, like replayable. The, I mean, the, the replayability is only limited basically by the generation engine and where you put those blocks. Um, and then however you successful you are in your battles, because you'll have to ramp up your character to successfully defeat the mobs, defeat the traps, etc. And you get points. If this ever goes to a competitive type of environment where you're either co-op or PVP or something like that, um, or I don't know, there's another competitive version of 
uh, Tetris where you're side by side and you're actually battling against the other people. When you lay down blocks, um, you impact the other person as well. This would be a lot of fun as a competitive environment because you can, if they were to program it the right way. And I, I always take what somebody does and, and offer up ideas to like push it to the next level. Uh, that's what I do all the time. Um, and, uh, that, that just screams that it needs to be a competitive environment, um, so that you get that play with other people. But I don't, I don't recall if I don't see it having that ability over on steam. I don't really, it's a single player only game right now. So that's kind of a bummer, but I love the idea of this. It's pretty cool. Um, and it's only like nine bucks. It looks fun. I love Tetris. So yeah, if you get it before April 13th, it's, it's only eight bucks. Uh, actually it's eight ninety nine. Um, normally it's 10 bucks, but it's eight ninety nine right now. So at any rate, this is pretty cool. I dig it. Um, I know some people that would probably wouldn't like this at all, but uh, I, I think that this has infinite replayability. You just have to be okay with the fact that there doesn't seem to be a story, really. You just kind of ramp up your character. Pretty cool. Um, that said, before I go running off into this dungeon of news, let me throw that into the chat. So now it's part of the VOD. And like always, you can follow the link, go check it out, come back uh, either to the chat and talk uh, every day at 9 p.m. or go over to YouTube and make a comment there or the podcast. You can listen to this that way if you don't have time to watch the VOD within the next 60 days. I hope you do. Um, or you can go over to YouTube. And guess what? We also have it right here. Hey. Although the very first stop that this show has is where it's created right here on Twitch. So this is the beginning. Uh, the end of this is who knows. It's either going to be in a Discord or in a, a, a Patreon chat or in uh, the comment section of or the review section of the podcast or a podcast anywhere because you can catch this podcast wherever pods are whenever i start talking about podcasts and uh the ai kind of just looks at me like what are you going on about just tell them about the podcast anyway <laughs> there's a podcast called hometown go check it out it's this show just the audio portion of it so you don't get to see me gesticulating and and making my hands really small and then really big and you don't get to see the visualizer and what color it is during the show. That's right. The AI only has a visualizer because they're working on a on a, a Terminator body and the budget is really small. So it's a really tiny Terminator body. Anyway, let's move on to the next article. And that too now is in the chat and Tesla employees reportedly passed around personal videos from owners' cars, which I think is just really creepy. Really creepy. Oh my God, that's beyond creepy. This is in the uh, Late Night Geeks channel. Tesla employees passed around and poked fun at private videos recorded by vehicle cameras. 
according to a report from Reuters. The videos, which were reportedly shared via Tesla's internal messaging system between 2019 and 2022, were recorded on the cameras that come mounted on Tesla vehicles to enable self-driving features. It says, as described by sources uh, to Reuters, the recordings shared by Tesla workers range from graphic crashes and road rage incidents to more embarrassing scenes, including a video of a naked man approaching a car. This is the the problem that I have. Well, first off, they're all outward facing cameras. Maybe that's the, that's the limit of what they're doing. But I think this speaks to what I've been saying about people with the authority to do something when they aren't overtly told and monitored. If they are, you have to be abundantly clear. You grab these videos without a freaking court order, you're fired immediately. And don't use us as a reference because you're an unethical person. You don't look at other people's recordings. In fact, if there's audio, in many states, that's illegal. Yes, it is because um, some states are two-party consent yep. um, to recordings. Yep. Um, so Emma Roth put this article together over at The Verge. It comes by way of Reuters. Um, but my statement is, and it has been demonstrated that people with the authority to access confidential information to use for entertainment or their own personal ends or to make a profit off of it or whatever they do it because for whatever reason, some people just, they are the reason why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't trust people just innately because go ahead. It just reminded me as I was going around to town recently i saw a vehicle it was not a tesla but it had a um i guess a, a mobile phone taped to the back of the vehicle pointing outward and it just seemed like a problem if you were driving behind it because then everything you were doing was probably getting recorded was it their was it their version of a dash cam then or I think so. Like it was like a low budget dash cam. It looked like it was like taped to the, um, Rear to the back of the vehicle. It was very strange. That's interesting. See, now I have no problem with dash cams. I have no problem with rear facing cameras because what ends up happening is if somebody gets in an accident, it becomes a they said, they said kind of a thing. And if you don't have evidence, then insurance just says it's a wash and you're forced to pay your deductible. Um, and then they, the insurance company literally tells you, you're going to have to sue them on your own. Well, why am I paying insurance? You asshats. I'm, oh wait. Yeah. We're 15 minutes into it. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I, I have no problem with me in control of my information, the information that might negatively impact me or positively impact me, depending on the context of it. I want to be able to have that information where it goes unethical is this, where 
Tesla employees, some rando out there who just happens because of their position, have access to my information. They start parsing it for entertainment. You know, don't get your jollies off of my car accident or somebody else's compromised situation. That person that was naked and walking up to the camera might've been in mental distress, you know? And odds on they were, because you don't normally just like strip down to nothing and then walk up saying, where's the nearest nude beach? I mean, <laughs> unless you're in a location where you're near a nude beach. I don't do it anymore. Not, not, <laughs> not since the court order, but anyway, um, I shouldn't joke like that because maybe the algorithm is going to push me towards the, eh, let's not display this. Don't worry, there's nothing adult in this. Just saying that probably compromised the integrity of this stream. <laughs> exactly. So Tesla launched Century. Rewind. <laughs> yeah. Um, Tesla launched Sentry Mode in 2019, advertising the feature as a way to alert drivers of any suspicious activity around their parked vehicles and then store recorded incidents in, in the car's onboard memory. Tesla updated this feature in 2021 and started letting drivers use their vehicle cameras to live stream their car's surroundings from the Tesla app. All right. But you know what isn't in there? Hey, it's a free-for-all for anybody to tap into my recordings. If I post them publicly like this, I am posting this, then fine, go ahead and watch to your heart's content. <laughs> I would appreciate me being told that I would like you to tell me that you're watching and, and maybe make a comment in chat or you can lurk all day long, um, follow, go over to uh, uh, YouTube and follow there too. That would be awesome. But you don't have carte blanche to take the video and pass it around uh, as if it's entertainment um, because of, I don't know, I've got wacky hair or no, see, I don't even care about that. I mean, I do have wacky hair right now. Um, but you know, if I, if I'm in mental distress, don't, don't hand it around like it's uh, a live stream fail. Cause you know, you have to have compassion, understanding about other people. They are compromised. And I think well, the security of the thing at the end about the Chinese concerns over it. Oh, right. Yeah. That was interesting. Yeah, the Netherlands isn't the only country where Tesla's sentry mode has raised concerns. Last year, Germany's consumer organization VZBZ sued Tesla, claiming sentry mode violates data protection laws. Tesla vehicles were also banned from China's, I don't know how to pronounce that, Baidei uh, district last year over concerns that the vehicle's cameras would capture a private meeting between the country's senior leadership while the Chinese military banned Tesla vehicles in 2021 over similar surveillance concerns. I think that's ironic. So, yeah, I don't like the idea of anybody having access to it. And if I can put a policy in my company that says, if you touch this file, you're fired, so can Tesla. You can lock those files so that if, it, that if anybody touches it, then it sends off an alert that somebody has accessed it and boom, you just fire them right there, you know? Oh, I'm really sorry. I, I didn't mean to surf. I accidentally, it's like the volleyball joke, right? Like, 
anyway, I, I shouldn't make that joke. It's that is an adult joke, but it's it. It's kind of like saying, well, you know, I, I surfed 16 levels deep into the logs and opened one up by accident. No, <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but this also shows that there is a different security profile in place. There's supposed to be zero access. You don't have access to anything that you don't explicitly need access to at that time. You need to change your security, Tesla. Let's move on. Uh, the next article is over in the Smack Talk channel. Thieves cut a hole in a bathroom wall, wall to steal $500,000 worth of devices from an Apple store. They're going to be flushing their freedom down the toilet. Apple stores are no stranger to having products stolen, but usually thieves are only able to escape with a small number of devices. That wasn't the case for a recent break-in in an Apple store in Washington, during which thieves successfully stole over $500,000 worth of Apple products. All of these are inventoried, so when they get activated somewhere, aren't they going to just pop up? I would think so, unless they're, um, that. like, are they taking out things like SIM cards or, I mean. But the the IMEI is still there. The, there's yeah. an identifier. There's a MAC address. There's things that are built into the inventory control system that ties it to, you know, the array of hardware that identifies it on the network. So. Well, and uh, do things like find my or whatever do they work i'm assuming they work at the corporate level or they wouldn't work on the personal level wouldn't that be interesting if find my works on just a ra random like if if they have hardware that's linked to a, any means of identifying that device then they could activate find my and then trace right to it i suspect they could i don't know if they could that would be interesting if they have something like that huh uh, this is a 9to5Mac.com article by Chance Miller. Um, as reported by local news outlet KOMO News. I don't know where that is. Uh, live from the Alderwood, Alderwood Mall. I, I don't think that's where they're from. But anyway, I don't think they go by Como either. But anyway, K Como News. The burglary occurred last Sunday at around 7 p.m. at the Apple Store located in the Alderwood Mall. It's a hard word to say. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Well, and the, I wonder if they thought of that when they originally named it, um, but it is. <laughs> the The store had already closed for the day, so Apple employees had no idea of the robbery until the following morning. The thieves gained entry to the Apple store by cutting through the bathroom wall of the neighboring espresso machine store. They were initially able to enter the espresso store, which was also closed and locked by that time by prying the front door open. I mean, do you think they filled up on caffeine before they went into the Apple store? Well, they got a buzzsaw out of it because <laughs> they were. What I don't get is they must have known that the espresso store didn't have a security system, but the Apple store did. But the Apple store didn't have a motion sensor. Right. I mean, so they must have surveilled beforehand. Oh, yeah. So let's see, assuming all inventory was up to date, Apple can likely remotely block the serial numbers and the IMEI numbers for the stolen products. The stolen devices, however, will likely be resold 
to buyers who have no idea the products were stolen, then those buyers won't be able to activate the devices. I don't oh, know. I okay. I don't know what's going to happen with that. <coughs> um, according to Marin McKay, Linwood Police Department communications manager, it was a well-organized operation. The burglars wore masks and gloves, leaving behind no fingerprints whatsoever. The investigation is still ongoing and police have denied requests to release surveillance camera footage. I don't know why they would do that. Um, maybe they have a lead, but yeah, this conversation. Yeah, they're actively investigating somebody who's right in the camera or something. Yeah, really. Interesting. So uh, moving forward, Seattle Coffee Gear replaced their locks and say that this is the first time they've dealt with a break-in like this, costing them an estimated $1,800 in damage. Wait till they get the bill from Apple for facilitating this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is just odd. And then I'm also assuming since they're in some sort of shopping mall, like, are there any requirements that you have certain security levels um, or will there be after this incident? Yeah, I think somebody's insurance is going to go through the roof and maybe into the next building through a small maybe hole. Maybe into the next door. <laughs> right into the next door. Hey, let's go on to the next uh, article. Otherwise, wow. Um, so this next article is in the Warcrafters channel. Cisco trashes $23 million worth of tech to avoid it being sold in Russia. And frankly, that amounts to like a couple of routers and a couple of switches and maybe some cables. Um, but network specialist Cisco has reportedly physically destroyed nearly $23 million worth of tech after it made the decision to quit operating in Russia due to the company's opposition to the war against Ukraine. Let's rephrase that due to the company's opposition to the Russian invasion of Ukraine and annexation of Crimea by Russia. Okay, now we can yeah, move on. This is um, not like a two-sided battle. <laughs> right. This this isn't, hey, we were going tit for tat against each other and it blossomed into full-on conflict. No. <laughs> uh, One this side was... was minding their own business and... <laughs> Putin putting the band back together and well, the band saying, no, I think I wanted, I want my solo project to, to succeed anyway. Um, well, after I made the decision, it seems as the equipment was trashed in January, despite Cisco deciding to quit Russia back in March of 2022, um, the, uh, the hardware was eventually destroyed by, um, techs, but probably not Cisco themselves, probably people that were paid to go in. I think that Cisco had already exited Russia. Um, anyway, the report comes from C News via Tom's Hardware by way of PC Gamer to us. So uh, I think everybody has, you know, put their finger in that stew and tasted it. Um, it says, which cites the state-run Russian news agency TASS as the source. So Probably 100% reliable. I mean, if TASS is going to say it, of course, it's got to be reliable. Anyway, $23 million worth of Cisco equipment is still a lot of equipment, and they didn't want it being given to or used or resold or whatever, and they couldn't exfiltrate it from the country, apparently. 
The equipment is in, uh, in question is described as mostly spare parts for Cisco devices, which reportedly totaled 1.86 billion. But I'm not sure what that means when they're talking about $23 million worth of tech. Right, those seem to be a little bit different scale. Yeah, PC and gamer. I mean, now I see why we have so many supply chain issues. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. They're just we're just destroying stuff so that it doesn't get into the hands of uh, Russian oligarchs. Just a drop in the ocean to a company making around thirty million dollars per day. Dave James writes this article for PCGamer.com. Um, it's interesting that the the people that I interact with say that it's. Cisco is no longer the dominant um, player. They they don't really have that stranglehold. Although they have, I I see them still growing into different markets, um, just not the ones that um, many technology companies are going down that road. They're just getting something other than Cisco very reliable you basically buy them once stick them in a closet and you just sit there and they will work and work and work and work and work um unless a pipe bursts in the ceiling above it um it they're pretty much a juggernaut um so i can see why they're expensive but anyway that this being just spare parts if it's just cards and cables and stuff like that and eh, it's nothing um, the equipment in question is described as mostly spare parts for Cisco devices. So it's going to be a replacement stuff. Oh, uh, reportedly 1.86 billion rubles. Okay. Um, but um, the ruble is pretty much <clears throat> low value in comparison to the dollar nowadays. Uh, somewhere around 80 rubles for a dollar, I think it is. Considering the company is also reported as destroying some 1 million rubles worth of office equipment, furniture, and even vehicles from its local subsidiary. It looks like Cisco is keen to ensure as much as possible stays out of the hands of uh, Russia. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, there's another comment in here. Tom's Hardware also notes with operating revenue of nearly 13.6 billion dollars the numbers linked to its exit from russia are pretty small fry in the grand scheme of things in fact it's only a few days income if you look at its 2.8 million dollar income in the three months of uh, q3 this year so that can't be right it's only 2.8 million a few days so I'm not sure what that means. In fact, it's only a few days income. If you look at it at its 2.8 million income in three months. Yeah, you're right. That's gotta be like billion or 28 million or whatever. Yeah. It has operating revenue of 13.6 billion. So I think it's a little bit more than 2.8. Anyway, um, I am not going to do the math right now. My brain just is not swimming in that direction. So, Hey, by the way, Mm -hmm. exact exchange rate uh what what is it 80 rubles to a dollar oh really yes oh okay wow that was an estimate you, based on you my have prior... like a, an exchange thing going on in your head <laughs> it is <laughs> one of the markets that 500 I... numbers and i still wouldn't have gotten it <laughs> it is one of the markets i dabble in but uh <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just I know some it's like I tell everybody when I do the streams and when I'm talking with AI <laughs> I know a little about a lot uh, but I don't do a deep dive because there's always somebody out there that is that knows more and I I will never pretend to be the smartest person in the room um, and I, I completely admire people who who can do that deep dive but like you can ask me a little bit about anything and I'll be able to talk for a little while just enough to require a, an attorney on retainer <laughs> Just enough to be dangerous. <laughs> Just enough to be dangerous. That's right. I can pull the pin from the grenade, yet I'm smart enough to hold on to the handle until I sneeze. And then there we go. I've said too much. Okay, so let's go. Uh, the next article is uh, in the Warcrafters channel. And this one is the PC gaming show will return on June 11th. That's right. Uh, PCGamer.com will relaunch its PC Gaming Show. A 2023 edition of the PC Gaming Show will broadcast on Twitch and on other video platforms on Sunday, June 11th. Um, the PC Gaming Show will follow the Xbox Game Showcase and Xbox's planned Starfield Direct presentation, which I hope is the actual launch of the game, but it's not. Um, and, um, I've already clicked this link when I opened it. So you're going to see, uh, one dude's big mug. Boom. New games and all new trailers coming to you from the void left by E3. Evan Lottie is the author over at PC gamer. I just can't have that guy's face on my screen that big. Um, that's Sean plot. Um, who's going to host and is uh, what they call the ringleader of the uh, showcase. Sounds Maybe, like a... but why does he have such a close-up? I know. It's just, I I don't know. And when you have a big monitor, it's like real size. Like, it's like right there in your face. I, I'm like, just back away, man. I feel your breath on my neck. Just don't stand so close. I have a vivid imagination. Anyway, when we launched the PC gaming show way back in 2015, according to this art article, not me, I'm not the one that's saying it. Um, it was a response to how underrepresented the platform was at E3. Their noble hobby was in the midst of a golden age, but it didn't have a seat at gaming's biggest table. Now that E3 has just imploded um, has gone off to live in that big, never-ending gaming convention in the sky. They're carrying on under the wider umbrella of mid-year showcase events, along with their sister show, Games Radar's Future Games Show. So, there you go. If you're into the gaming scene, then PC Gamer and Games Radar's Future Games Show is pretty much where it's at. I listen to two podcasts that, that give me a lot of my gaming news, although I already know about what they're talking about. So it's more about the personalities. Um, so I I've been thinking about spinning up a show that talks about podcasts, um, in each of these like certain episodes and stuff, um, each week, um, doing a deep dive, not really a deep dive, but like a, a holistic review of some of the, popular interesting up and coming podcasts um but coming from a small podcast 
I don't know if that has any gravitas at all, but it keeps me busy and out of jail. So if you are interested in um, being a, a partnered streamer with PC Gaming Show, um, you can fill out a form and they will probably reach out and say, you know, do you want to? Yeah, we'll we'll give you assets and stuff. And that's what they say they'll do. But there has to be some metric, you know, they may not give it to everybody. Right. Um, I'm assuming it might be based on how much of a following they have right. or or something. Yep. Um, so good luck to them. I'll probably end up watching them. Not probably. I will. It depends on if I'm working or not. I got a lot of work to do in hometown. So let's hustle on to the next article. Um, and here, Fred smelling up the tundra. In the daily news show category, um, African ele- elephants use smell to communicate. Professor Lowe Hoffman from the University of Queensland's Queensland Alliance of Agriculture and Food Innovation. That's a really long plaque. Co-led a study. Also, you have to answer the phone. <laughs> yeah, really. Hi, this is Professor Hoffman from the University of Queensland's Queensland Alliance of Agriculture and Food Innovation. Oh, damn, yeah. you hung up? Then they call exactly. back. Exactly. I was going to say the caller hung up before you get through the little intro. <laughs> Thanks for calling in a tech. That's what you need. Just a, a quick... Anyway, they tested DNA, glands, urine, and manure of 113 African elephants to identify family groupings. Found a number of the chemicals were common to group members, but others that were unique to each individual. Elephants never mate with a sibling, even if they've been separated for years. So somehow, they know. Uh, I, I Okay, well... They just walk up and sniff each other. Oh. Oh, oh, I know you're you. my sister or brother. Yeah, 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 you're my cousin, sister's uncle's brother's nephew. So I guess you're okay. I don't know. This is over at futurity.org. Um, it's posted by the University of Queensland, Queensland's Queensland, Queensland. <clears throat> it's like Ruth's Chris's Steakhouse or Chris's Ruth's Steakhouse. I'm not sure what it is, but anyway. I don't think it has anything to do with elephants. Pretty neat though, right? It might have some good smells coming from it. (laughs) So if you want to, I guess you can, um, they can synthesize. Maybe that's what's going to happen. There's going to be a ode elephant and you'll be able to squirt that on you and go hang out with uh, elephants. Some of the elephants, sorry, some of the animals in the study were bred in captivity. And one of the tricks they'd been taught was to take a tourist's hat and smell it. When the tourist came back hours later, the elephant would be able to immediately identify who the hat belonged to. That's kind of interesting. See, it just makes, when you think about it, you go, ah, we know so little, yet we assume in our hubris that we are the penultimate, you know, or the ultimate, uh, dominant species on the planet because we have thumbs yet we see animals like playing with toys and surprised when somebody does a magic trick on the other side of glass and you know the gorilla or the monkey or whatever sees it and is like blown away by this trick 
or they react to a baby being shown. You know, there's just so much we just don't know. Yet here we go. You know, I won't spin this any other direction. I'll just leave it there like that. Oh, well, and they I even say animal, animals are smarter. I mean, do you think a human can sniff a hat and then figure out who belonged to? I don't think so. There's <laughs> many of the humans I interact with on a regular don't even know that they themselves smell. Exactly. Uh, anyway, so there you go, folks. I've always thought that I've always really respected wild animals because you you really don't know what they're thinking. You have to respect them. They don't have the means of commun- I was talking to somebody today about that. As a matter of fact, we don't have a means of communicating with animals in a real functional way. We don't understand their language because it isn't just straight speech and it's hard to, it would be like trying to teach somebody a completely different language that has never spoken anything. Right. And they have to learn all of that context. Um, it's just not always possible. And so I was saying that, you know, you, in the context that I was talking about, it was copyright in that macaque, um, the, the selfie macaque yeah. and, and the fact that you can't assign a copyright to anything other than a human because they, they're apparently incapable of having a copyright assigned because they don't know the value of it. I don't know. Um, anyway. Elephants are smart and they sniff each other. That's the takeaway. <laughs> Not necessarily in that order. That's right. Um, there, um, I'll just move on. So this next article is in the wanted channel and not necessarily that we want it, but, uh, it's from Ars Technica and a Bitcoin white paper is hidden away in Mac OS's systems folder for some reason. Uh, I don't think anybody's figured out why, but Andy Bow discovered that Every modern copy of Mac OS has included a copy of Satoshi Nakamoto's original Bitcoin white paper hidden away in Mac OS system folders and accessible with an easy terminal command. Yeah, you can find it in a system library, image capture devices, virtual scanner.app, contents, resources, and then a thing called simpledoc.pdf. I mean, um, do you think that's like an Easter egg? Because it reminds me of Ready Player One. Yeah, really. Um, I, I don't know what to think of it. I think maybe somebody just left it in there as part of, uh, like OCR scanning and because they were a fan of crypto and Bitcoin specifically, they left it in there and it just didn't get, I mean, this kind of stuff happens all the time. I'm sure that there's some dumb code sitting in the actual operating system too. That's commented out, but hasn't been removed, um, fully from the source code. You know, when it gets compiled, it gets kicked out. But anyway, 184 kilobyte PDF appears to be a sample document for Mac OS's virtual scanner, which is what I just said. Um, and because of the context of where it's sitting, it's sitting inside the virtual scanner app. Um, I just think that it's just sitting there and it's not a big deal. Now, somebody might be able to exploit it because it's a PDF and PDFs can be compromised. Um, the, the file is included in a system at called virtual scanner.app. This is almost certainly related to the import from iPhone continuity camera feature. 
that lets you insert pictures or documents scanned, quote unquote, scanned with your iPhone or iPad's camera directly into your Mac OS app. Uh, that feature was originally introduced in Mojave, the same Mac OS version that added the Bitcoin white paper. So when they say modern, they basically mean that one and forward. So last four years, which I think there's only like two versions. Anyway, um, Apparently there's other things for years. Pages app included a small apple.txt file with the full text of the speech from Apple's old here's to the crazy ones ad, plus former CEO Steve Jobs 2005 Stanford commencement speech. So I think they just do this um, with historical context for whatever purpose. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, that's exactly what they call it. Harmless inclusion of the white paper is an Easter egg tucked away for some cryptocurrency enthusiast at Apple. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes a cigar is just a cigar. Okay, so the next article is over in the Daily News Show channel. Bud Light boycotter switching to Coors Light missed one major point. Now, I've been warned that I should probably not soapbox about this because it's kind of being beaten down by society anyway. Um, Like, uh, get back under your rock, you uh, wingnut. Anyway, um, some beer drinkers are outraged after Bud Light sent a commemorative can to a transgender influencer named Dylan Mulvaney. And I'm just going to go straight over to Newsweek. And uh, Shannon Power is the author. Um, Won't play the video. Uh, I don't know um, what is in it. And everything is always a perpetual risky click to me. Anyway, calls to boycott Bud Light started after transgender influencer Dylan Mulvaney revealed the beer brand had sent her a unique can of beer with her face on it. Oh, it was a face, not even a rainbow as everybody was freaking out about a rainbow beer can or something um earlier the company gifted her uh the personalized can to commemorate the one year anniversary of the tiktokers gender transition the can was a gift to celebrate personal milestone and is not for sale to the general public according to anheuser-busch the company that owns bud light I think it's amazing. I think that it's just fine. Completely. um, How do I put it? The hateful comments, the the bigoted comments, the the, the, uh, anger and vitriol that spewed because somebody gets a commemorative can really shows that society hasn't come very far and social media has given the amplification of these hateful messages more power because i mean people wouldn't even know about it number one if it wasn't for social media right right exactly um but for some strange reason in in the real world if you say these things you either have people telling you to climb back under your rock, uh, you hateful sociopath, or they punch you in the face because everybody has a plan until they're punched in the face or they just walk away, right? There's only a few real options, right? Most of the time you can say something, do something or walk away, which is a combination of, you know, silently saying 
you suck as a human being and doing something. But unfortunately for all of these people that are sitting there clamoring to go to another brand, Coors Light does the same thing. Both companies are supporting the LGBTQ community. And <laughs> I knew about this. That's a riot. But when you're an ignorant wingnut, you don't know about this. So, um, in fact, when they're sitting there going, I'm moving over to Coors Light, Coors Light has has been dis described as being a progressive community for the LGBTQ plus uh, ally space, particularly for their own employees. So everybody, would you please just understand you are on the wrong side of progress. You're on the wrong side of society. You're on the wrong side of history. The only way that you can continue with this is if you do balkanize the entire nation and try and break us all up into red states and blue states, which is wingnut ignorance in and of itself, because there are no red states and blue states. We are a melting pot of people. And unfortunately for the wingnuts, society really does want democracy. It really does want to be democratic. It doesn't want to be wingnut, hateful wall building, xenophobic, me first, screw you in any way. <laughs> Take that. Anyway, um, <laughs> men's soapbox. <laughs> uh, yeah, I said that I wasn't going to. Um, anyway, it even says in here in the article, LGBTQ plus media advocacy organization GLAD described Coors as amongst the most progressive for its employee policies toward gays and had advertising in gay publications since the 1980s. There's one thing that brings everybody together, by the way, um, at least in the business world, and that's money. And the only way you're going to get more money is if you get more customers. So even if it is an altruistic, uh, good faith energy towards the LGBTQ plus community, they're doing it because they want money. If you want to be cynical like that. Um, yeah, but they're having a positive impact. I mean, it would be great if it's good intentions too, but when major companies get behind causes like this, I think it, it helps the cause. Yep. And eventually what happens is if it isn't really true to form, the lie is seen somewhere. There's a, a an executive that um, says something that allows the truth to penetrate the veil and you see the true colors of the organization, right? So like Chick-fil-A, right? Everybody thought it was a great company, blah, 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 blah. And then they started treating people poorly. Right. Like their commentary that they were this, right, right. that or whatever. Um, now, I mean, the reason why they didn't take a major hit is because there wasn't enough momentum to shut them down financially. And they're an entirely privately held organization, probably because of their views towards people. So they're rather immune to 
the ebb and flow of social discourse about business practices. <clears throat> kind of like that sweet green lawsuit in, and uh, Chipotle. Chipotle. <clears throat> the public is involved in that. The public was involved in Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A didn't get touched, it seemed, by all of the negative press. You mean Chipotle? Not Chipotle. Chick-fil-A. Oh, oh, Chick-fil-A yeah. had the same type of yeah, negative yeah. perception. Anyway, all of these wingnut people, they... Anyway, I'll just move on. Let, let's... Well, there's going to be ample time for us to talk about it again and again and again because there's way too many there's people that have that view. News about yeah. that, yeah, exactly. Although um, I do like that one going to the same thing that you're complaining about. <laughs> that's right, but it's the epitome of ignorance, you know. I'm not going to get in that car because that car doesn't have all-wheel drive. Yeah, it does. Did you not know that it has all-wheel drive? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I was ignorant. No, it's always like that. You know, you don't know what you don't know. But instead of going, oh, I'm really sorry, I am ignorant. They're not even self-aware. Don't be proud of it. Just don't lean into it either. Don't sit there and go, well, I'm still against them. No, just realize that you were ignorant and, and realize that you're on the wrong side of society and history anyway uh goldman sachs was fined three million dollars after it mixed up millions of short sale orders as long the culprit was one missing line of code i'm not sure why a missing line of code would cause this but i don't either but it sounds kind of terrifying <laughs> especially depending on the magnitude <laughs> yeah and and you, what's really interesting is you don't know there's two things you do know you you do know how much this cost but you don't know and you know that you don't know what the knock-on effect of 60 million short sale orders not being counted right. as short sale because you can't really like you can only know for that moment but you can't say oh well we didn't do this transaction so now somebody's lost however many billions of dollars or whatever down the road. Yeah, and the knock-on effect of others witnessing yeah. this. Yeah. Um, so FINRA fined uh, Goldman Sachs $3 million for mixing up 60 million short sale orders. The stock orders were mismarked as long sales between October 2015 and April 2018. Uh, Goldman Sachs failed to include a single line of computer code during a software upgrade, which led to the mishap. So this... This ran for three years. <coughs> they basically flipped short sales into long sales. Okay, but um, how did know. people I mean, not know about it immediately? Was, exactly. Like, why didn't somebody go, hey, wait a second, I was supposed to have a sale or whatever? Yeah. A Wall Street watchdog, the US Financial uh, Industry Regulatory Authority, or FINRA, hit Goldman Sachs with a $3 million fine, which is nothing because they made that much on, you know, 15 minutes of interest um, for mixing up 60 million stock orders. The brokerage regulator said on a Tuesday or in a Tuesday filing, let's go over to Business Insider and Hulang Tan is the author. I think I'm pronouncing their name right, but if I am not, please correct me. Um, 
The stock orders were mismarked as long between October 2015 and April 2018. And um, they just now did the disclosure. Further, Goldman Sachs mismarked orders led to 12,335 short orders being executed while a short sale circuit breaker was in place per the filing. So again, the breaks were applied, but they still processed 12,335 shorts, which could cause a, a deeper run into a stock uh, valuation. So the orders were incorrectly marked because Goldman inadvertently failed to include a single line of computer code during an upgrade to its automated trading platform. That is what bothers me too. These high frequency <laughs> yeah. trading platforms. Um, the firm immediately fixed this coding error after being notified by FINRA in April 2018. So why are we finding out about it now? And how did something last for three years too? Because if yeah. they were notified, did they fix it? So maybe it was their own it was their own trading environment i see and so the only customer was themselves and so they didn't somebody wasn't okay. auditing the books because yeah. it would have been pretty apparent pretty quick if somebody was doing something deeper than a cursory look at the bottom line um <clears throat> of the 60 million incorrectly marked orders, Goldman Sachs executed nearly 8 million. So they were marked, but they didn't get executed. So that mitigated it. The context of why they didn't get executed, though. Interesting. I'm not sure what's going on here. I don't know. Maybe, uh, maybe if I can remember to do this, I'll do some due diligence and see. Um, but this is the first that I've heard of it. So it's, it's interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah, we should have heard of this multiple times uh, yeah. along the way, but nothing crickets. Okay. Let's keep going. Um, the next article is over in the Warcrafters channel. Play this MOBA like PVP games, public alpha this weekend. So the author can stop trying to describe it. I have a hard time describing it too. So there's that. Um, I'm going to go straight on over to the source because that's really the only way to talk about this. Um, this is a game called Spellcraft. It's available currently over on um, Steam. You can watch people play it here on Twitch. Um, I watched a few games of it. Um, <sighs> I'll, I'll play the video when we get there, but... It's a PCGamer.com article. Tyler Culp is the author, and it says Spellcraft is a competitive real-time battler by ex-Blizzard and Riot developers, and it screams that, by the way. Um, so from now until April 16th, you can see exactly what the game's about. Spellcraft is available as a public alpha, and you can try it by visiting its Steam page and requesting access. Marwad already has access, so if you want to play it, get in touch. Um, Spellcraft is a mix of existing genres, but leans heavily on MOBAs. But I don't want to refer to it as a MOBA. So, <clears throat> and the reason why is that it's, it's a grid-based environment. Actually, it's a hex-based environment. But all of the maneuvers are in real time, and it's multiple player, and not multiple players, 
you are a single player controlling multiple uh, characters. So in other MOBAs, it's one person is controlling one in current iterations of MOBAs, you know, like Starcraft and, and other things like that. Um, you would command fleets of whatever, but in current iterations of MOBA games, it's multiplayer. You build a squad, you compete to take over the other side of the arena going through various channels, lanes, kill boxes, whatever you want to call it. Um, but this, this is wholly unique and I'm teasing everybody because I think that this is actually a lot of fun, but if you are not hyper vigilant, if you are not really into Twitch reflexes and always on like super hyperactive, hyperkinetic activity, this is going to blow your mind. So let's, let, I'll scroll down here in a minute. So each hero slots um, into familiar tank DPS healer roles, except that you can boost them as rounds progress with little, well, tokens that kind of beef up their capability as the rounds go. Um, and I think it's the best out of 10. Um, so this isn't it, just teasing you. So I'm gonna, I'll play the video and um, let me mute it. Uh, it's already muted. So this is what it looks like. And I'm going to, I'll blow it up. Won't do the audio, but a whole bunch of characters. I think there's in total 30. And you have this hex grid that everybody battles on. You're in control of three characters. They all have... Uh, what amounts to two powers either, well, there's six options, but there's three initial ones to, to start with. And everything is at the same time. You have to move your character, select who you is your target, issue the command and do that for three characters in reaction to your enemies, three characters. And there's no pause once the clock can, starts. Can anybody do this? <laughs> yeah. It seems yeah. kind of impossible. <laughs> oh, and here's the kicker. It's free and there's no pay to win because you don't pay for boosts, cards, tokens, whatever. Everything that you might get in the future might be nothing more than cosmetic and they're not even charging for the game. At least not right now, not based on what I heard today, they're not even charging for the game. Not bad. Seems like a lot of fun. Um, I'm not sure how long I would last in this kind of environment. Um, gone are the days where I'm, you know, just go, go, go like this might be fun. I don't know. Maybe I'll get into it. And uh, this will be, you know, my forever game kind of, I'm starting to sound like, you know, <laughs> that, that pet that gets taken home and they're exactly. forever home. Kind of forever home. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I, I don't know. I dig it. It says uh, one more game has already had a few thousand players test out alpha versions of the game with its goal for alpha driven development, which it details in a lengthy post on its website. 
So they say it doesn't have a release date, but it definitely is in public alpha right now. Um, and because uh, I can play it right now and I'm watching people play it on Twitch um, as we. I don't know if it's still I don't know, they may still be on one of my monitors, but anyway, uh, I'll find it later when I'm wondering where the sound is coming from. And I have to hunt down a monitor that's moving at any rate, that's spellcraft. Go and check it out. I think you'll like it. It's from a company called One More Game. Dun, dun, dun. So we got two more articles to go through. Uh, we'll make this one, these next two quick. Har har. That's what Mirwat always says. Um, man arrested in Australia, charged with kidnapping a platypus. You don't hear that every day. Australian, Australian police have charged a 26-year-old man after he allegedly stole a platypus from a local waterway and showed it off to people on a train and in a shopping center earlier today, by the way, which is, this is really weird. I watched somebody record another person who picked up a platypus with their jacket that was trapped inside um, a, uh, a hollowed out area of rock because it was trapped at the bottom of this little sand filled pit um, right. of rock. It was a rock barrier and they couldn't get out. The, the platypus couldn't get out. So the human was being kind and scooped them up. But they have venomous talons on their back legs. And if they scratch you, they envenom you. And it's supposed to be excruciating. You die from pain kind of pain. Oh, wow. But you saw that today. And then I we saw have that. an article about a platypus today. Yeah, it's kind of creepy, huh? Kind of weird, yeah. kind of spooky. It's like the algorithm said, uh, I think Marwat wants to hear about uh, platypi. Platypuses? <laughs> Plata, plata, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Um, anyway, Queensland police made a public appeal for the identity of a man and woman who were seen in a video Tuesday holding the animal that was believed to be taken from its natural habitat. Probably because a mall is not typical for a platypus to be swimming around in. Police said the two were seen with the platypus wrapped in a towel, petting it and showing it off to commuters. Hey, do you want to know how much it costs to violate the law regarding uh, taking a platypus? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll give you a chance. How much do you think I it costs? It's, I hope it's an exorbitant because it's really harmful to the animal. Go ahead. Try um, I don't know. A thousand dollars. Guess again. I'm going to scroll down because I had already seen this. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I think that's appropriate. I just had no idea. <laughs> yeah. So the AI did not blurt it out, but I will. $300,000 is the fine. So, yeah, they did find the person and they did charge him. And uh, they're expected to be in court in early April and could face a fine of up to nearly $300,000. Why? Because you don't screw around with platypuses or platypi. Oh, and it Maybe. talks about the venomous spurs in here, too. Yeah. Um, but I had already known that. You know, like I said, I know a little bit about a lot, just enough to save me from getting envenomed by a platypus. And there's some they have something else, too. I think they can give you something else. Um, but. Yeah, I feel like they're. Um... They have um, something like, I want to say like salmonella, but I know that's not correct. But I think there is a disease that you can catch from them. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
yeah, I don't remember, but like I said, just enough to get in, into trouble. So maybe it was a female platypus. Not to assume a platypus's gender. Stephen Newcomb is the author over at thehill.com that put this article together. And um, I, I think it was really interesting that police basically put out a media call like, help us find this person before the platypus is harmed. And uh, you're not allowed to take it from its wild um, environs. And luckily, this person did not get scratched or envenomed because it apparently is a nightmare. Apparently. I've never seen anybody, you know, envenomed by a platypus, <clears throat> but I've been told by several people now. So let's move on. I don't think I've ever discussed a platypus with anybody. <laughs> hey, there's um, a first for outside everything. Outside of hometown. <laughs> That's right. Hometown, where you'll have conversations you can't believe you're having a conversation about. <laughs> So the next and final article for today is in the continuity report, and that's because it has to do with, I don't know, media-based torture? Entertainment, maybe. Oh, I mean, not, not the application here, but the underlying thing might be entertainment. So kind of like one person's terrorist is another person's freedom fighter. So one person's baby shark is another person's terroristic activity. Um jailers get probation after playing baby shark to inmates on repeat as part of their sentences former oklahoma corrections officers gregory butler jr and christian miles are banned from working in law enforcement for two years i think that this is i don't know the full context of this but how don't are you feel these like the punishment should have been listening to baby shark <laughs> but this seems like so much more uh punishing than bad like somebody, cops doing horrible things well, right. like somebody still, who commits violence or something i don't yeah. think even gets penalized like this but maybe it's worse than what we're thinking yeah. okay this is from the washingtonpost.com or just washingtonpost.com okay not the washington post i don't want to get in trouble with the ohio state Two former Oklahoma uh, County Corrections officers pleaded no contest to charges of cruelty to a prisoner. Kyle Melnick is the author of this article. And um, it says, last week, Gregory Cornell Butler Jr. and Christian Charles Miles, you know you're screwed when they throw in, mom is throwing in your middle name. You're in deep <laughs> right. trouble. Um, they pleaded no contest to three counts of cruelty to a prisoner. A judge in Oklahoma um, banned Butler, 24, and Miles, 23, from working in law enforcement during a two-year probation term. Oh, boy. These people. Anyway, the fact that they're not allowed to work in law enforcement in the future is important. And it's impactful because it means they're not going to be able to torture people in the future in a jail setting. So I want to know what the context of it was, but they don't really do it. They don't... Well, they have they, other charges against them so there might be more that they were doing it said there were charges in 2021 against them for torturing inmates didn't say how or both officers were also named as defendants in a 2021 lawsuit which is ongoing oh okay so that's still going but this they were convicted of this maybe they're just trying to pull them out of law enforcement now 
Because right. I mean, I guess my point is they may be worse than they're appearing from this article. Yeah, it's getting them out of law enforcement now because obviously they're sociopaths, right? That's that's kind of the thing. If they're willing to torture people that are in jail, um, pull them out of the thing now with an actual legal basis um, and stop them from being in law enforcement so they can't continue. This 2021 lawsuit where they're named as defendants might actually amplify this into like them being put in jail. Um, inmates who claim that they were tortured by the officer said that, uh, said he was content with Butler's and Miles' sentences in the criminal prosecution. So that was good to pull him out is basically what the judge said. But I'm curious about what they were doing. They were accused of playing baby shark. Four of his charges were dismissed Wednesday and the district attorney office filed a motion to, de- to dismiss the final charge according to court documents provided by Hendershot's attorney. Well, that's um, the supervisor of the two people. Yeah. So that's probably why, because I'm assuming the supervisor is probably like, I didn't know anything about it. Of course, what kind of supervision are you doing? But anyway. Um, let's see. They were charged by Oklahoma County District Attorney's Office in October 2020. The affidavit stated that Butler and Miles caused undue emotional stress on the inmates who were most likely already suffering from physical stressors. Um, wow. I, they were forced to stand up in an empty room while staffers blasted Baby Shark for up to four hours. The lawsuit alleges the officer's actions were enhanced interrogation and a torture tactic. I mean, this is what they were doing in Gitmo, right? Um, blasting yeah. music and forcing them to stand up in, in places like for extended exhaustion. periods of time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They were handcuffed to the wall, so they had to stand up too. So if they tried to rest, they would basically destroy the nerves in their hands or something like that because they would be pulled. Anyway, yeah, I mean, the whole baby shark thing is more like a meme um, but it can still be weaponized by cranking it up really loud. It can be, any sound can be disorienting. Right. If it's um, repetitive or loud or resonates at the right with frequency. other things. Yes. Yep. Um, so it says physiologically painful to hear. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and I actually give a demonstration of that because it's um, part of um, uh conversations that I have with people about technology. Um, and I show them that what the difference is between, um, frequency and amplitude. And, uh, let's just say (laughs) people really don't understand that something that is high pitched can be when it is cranked up the same level as something that's pitched low is actually physically painful um, until they get a demonstration because we are products of we don't know what we don't know um, just as much as we are products of what we do know. So it says uh, Butler is just kind of glad that, you know, after two and a half, almost three years of litigation that he can finally start to put this thing behind him. Well, how nice. But what about the people you tortured, right? Exactly. I don't really think that's the message here. Okay. And that's it, folks. Did you want to add anything else to this? 
Well, yes, although this isn't an uplifting stat, they have a high number of people who have died at the jail, but again, we don't know what that's from. So I, I just wonder if this is some systemic, systemic. issue. Hey, I'm thinking like the AI. Yeah, I wasn't going to bring that up, um, but it was where I stopped in my scroll. Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, if there's something anomalous about the number of people that are meeting their demise within a detention center, there's probably a problem in the detention center. Well, and it's, well, never mind. I don't want to say it. <laughs> Oklahoma. I, no, I was going to say they should look at the trends based on who's, who's there, who's, who's there, present. Basically. <laughs> Hey, if you've ever watched a, you know, a police crime drama, well, like always, we go back to the welcome sign at hometown.com and refresh. And sure enough, you get a bunch of new articles. And um, hey, that's really interesting. Stormy Daniels thinks that Trump shouldn't be jailed in the hush money case. All right. That, that, that's weird. Oh, yeah, um, that doesn't make any sense, but okay. Yeah. Apparently there's a uh, Greece rise of the pink ladies is online and you can watch it and you can go over to hometown and click the little link or just do a search and you'll probably find it how to watch Greece rise of the pink ladies. If you've never seen Greece, um, the, the original Greece, you should check it out. Kind of old movie. school. Huh? I said it's a fun movie. Yeah. Um, but, but it is old, old school. school. Yeah. <laughs> got to get in the way back machine if you want to know what your parents looked like when they were 18 to 24 go look at greece <laughs> how about it uh it depends on your own age because <laughs> for our younger listeners uh their parents may not have been in the greece era <laughs> oh that's true oh my god that's uh, now I feel really old. How about Subaru's Crosstrek Wilderness is the newest trail ready SUV. I've always liked Subaru's Crosstreks, by the way. That was a car that I wanted to get, but I ended up getting something else. Yeah, I don't know. I just I dig their styling. It's kind of they're kind of chunky. Yeah, I like those. Um. What's the Jeep? The Jeep that I really dig is um, that. Oh, is it the Rene Renegade or am I wrong about is that? Is it the Renegade? No, it it's might be Renegade. The, um... No, there's another one. There's a different one. Hmm. I'm looking at other stuff. How about Clarence Thomas? Do you want to talk about Clarence Thomas as we leave? No. That he's been accepting um, gift trips from a billionaire GOP. Uh, Donator? No. For decades? Yeah. I hadn't seen that headline. Yeah, that <laughs> dude needs to get impeached. <clears throat> I, 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 I. And you, uh, people wonder why people are frustrated. Why don't the other, why don't these other people see this shit? I cussed. I'm sorry. You know that Lake Mead is rising and everybody's like, oh, look, everything is all over. Global warming, uh, climate change doesn't exist. 
Yeah, is it really though? I mean, in the long run. <laughs> yeah, I mean, my glass filled up really fast one time, but it's empty today. Right. I mean, <laughs> that doesn't mean that you're gonna I have always have a drink here. Exactly. Oh, that's the first time that I've shown a drink on camera. I think this is how the sausage is made, folks, and this is how we're going to end the show. I am Marwat. That is hometown.com. Go check it out. And up there is the visualizer for the AI. You want to say bye to everybody? Good night, hometown citizens, and we'll see you tomorrow. Hopefully. 9 p.m. Eastern. You never tell everybody it's 9 p.m. Eastern. You just say bye. Do I need to be more explicit? Hey, say bye. And when we're going to be yes. back tomorrow. <laughs> yes. I mean, why don't you write me a script? <laughs> mm, PowerShell incoming. All right, folks. See you tomorrow. This is really great music, by the way. Mm-hmm. I don't want to play the exit music yet. Bye-bye.